Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. The final from Kauffman Stadium in Kansas City. It's the Cleveland Guardians 13, the Kansas City Royals 1. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy watching baseball being played. And finally, finally we get a fun one. Finally we end the losing streak. We get a big offensive day. I mean, this thing was out of question. I mean, we were... We were, we were already on our way to a win. After the first inning, it already felt like all the momentum was in our favor on this day. The second inning, it felt like we were well on our way to a win. By the fourth inning, this thing was a rout. This thing was a blowout. So let's get into it. And and I've got a very early work morning. A Sunday, right? A Sunday morning? What? I sh- a Sunday morning work day? Yeah, I got to work on a Sunday, which means I'm recording this the night before I'm recording this late Saturday night, which means a little bit of different mood, right? A little bit different atmosphere. means this is now Cleveland Baseball Nightly. All right, we're going to relax. We're going to get into this game a little bit. We're going to chill out. We're not going to yell into the microphone. We're going to have some fun with this thing because that's what the Guardians did. They relaxed. They let some pitches come to them. Actually, they they had some really good at-bats. They battled and had some fun at-bats. They finally got Kansas City's pitching uh, to kind of sit in the middle of the plate there, especially in that fourth inning, and they unloaded. They absolutely unloaded. This offense was rolling and it helps of course it helps to face the Royals pitching of course I mean that's the point that's why we were so disappointed by losing Friday night because Royals pitching should be a reset for your offense it should make you feel good leaving Kansas City especially the way Stephen Kwan hits against the Kansas City Royals uh so yeah I mean the top of the lineup just absolutely goes off three hits a piece for Kwan Rosario and Jose Ramirez. Three hits apiece for those guys. Multiple runs scored. And then everybody pitches in behind them. Even the pinch hitters pitch in behind them. In fact, the only person on the entire roster who doesn't have a hit on the day is Oscar Mercado, who eventually goes into center field in the nine hole for Miles Straw. He goes over two on the day. But every other single person, even the pinch hitters in the lineup, end up with a hit on the day and everybody kind of took turns everybody kind of took turns being the one that drove in there were weirdly a lot of strikeouts in between these these rally moments uh where suddenly you know like in that first inning uh you know the first three guys get on and then josh naylor pops out uh so you're like okay well that's disappointing uh we just uh in fact we had loaded not loaded the bases. Jose Ramirez's single did bring in a run to score. We had two guys on, and Naylor pops out. That was, okay, disappointing. But then Fermil Reyes drives a double into the left field corner, 110.7 mile per hour exit velocity. He gets the job done. So everybody was kind of picking each other up in the lineup. In that second inning, uh, after back-to-back doubles, it was Amon Rosario who would strike out. So uh, there was nobody out. There was already two runs in to score on Stephen Kwan's double, so it was already a good inning. But Kwan is sitting out there on second base. Ahmed Rosario would strike out. Okay, a little bit disappointing. But then Jose Ramirez would come up right behind him and hit the big two-run home run. 
right? His first home run in like 100 plus at-bats in like 20-some days. He really needed a home run. He needed a day like this. And uh, the offense needed a day like this. Now, everybody out there, like everybody's been tweeting and in all the articles I saw, it was all, you know, the offense runs through Jose Ramirez. Cleveland's offense runs through Jose Ramirez. You know, if he doesn't go, the offense doesn't go. Yes, there is some truth to that. Yes, he is the leader. He's the face of the franchise. Yes, there is some truth to that. He's also the three-hitter on the team. Like, I, you literally, you take any team in baseball, and if the three-hitter's not going, the offense probably is going to sputter a little bit. That's, that's literally why your best hitter you used to. Your best hitter used to end up in the three-hole. Now, with different stats and metrics, they think, actually, your best hitter should hit second because you get them up more. Yada, yada, yada. We, we still know, like, in, in the back of our minds, you still put the best hitter three. Your most powerful hitter four and your best hitter three. And, uh, yeah, so on any team, if the guy in the three-hole isn't going, the offense probably isn't going to go. But, yes, there is some truth to the fact that Jose Ramirez is definitely the heart and soul of that dugout. And uh, if he's in a slump, it does affect the other guys. But he gets rolling here in a big home run. So it was an interesting day where, uh, you know, guys were picking each other up. Guys were completing rallies. Uh, Getting back to this box score, other guys that had big days. Uh, Fermil Reyes with two big hits on the day. Uh, only one RBI. Uh, actually, only one big hit. He did hit another bases empty single on the day, but uh, it ends up turning into nothing. Andres Jimenez, after striking out in his first two at bats, he ends up going three for six on the day. So he turns it around. He turns it into a big day. He's the one with the big two RBI hit uh, with the bases loaded in the fourth inning. That gets the scoring going. And then Nolan Jones right behind him. Three RBIs on the day. Two hits for Nolan Jones. Plus two walks, by the way. Don't discount that. And his first Major League home run that ends up in the fountain. Out in Coffin Stadium. They literally spend the whole game. I didn't even I didn't even watch the last inning. Did they get the ball? I don't know. I Someone tweeted me. Let me know if they actually sent someone swimming down to the bottom of the fountain to go retrieve Nolan Jones' first Major League home run. And I mean, what a home run this was. What a shot this was in that uh, in that fourth inning. I mean, where they just unload for five runs. Nolan Jones hits at 109.2 miles per hour, 457 feet out in the right field. There, a right center field. Just a massive home run on the first pitch, by the way, too. First pitch swinging in this one. And uh, absolutely, it was an inside pitch. And they were trying to come in a little bit on him here uh, with an inside fastball to start him off. And he just unloads on it. Just It was a 96-mile-per-hour fastball just above the belt, just inside of the center of the plate. And he just turns on it. Uh, so that is awesome. That is the exact power that we have been waiting for. I mean, a swing like that, a swing like that makes me think 457 feet makes me think that one day we are going to be watching Nolan Jones in the home run derby. And it has been a long time since we've had a Guardians hitter with a legitimate chance in the home run derby, right? Like they let Carlos Santana do it one year and you just didn't feel like that was really going to amount to anything. Did, did, has Jose Ramirez done it in the past? I honestly can't remember. 
Uh, Tommy, I know, did it in the 90s, right? Tommy did it once in the 90s wearing a Cleveland uniform. Not many Cleveland guys have participated in the Home Run Derby. And if they have, they haven't had a lot of success. I think Tommy had a really good showing. Um, so yeah, it would be fun. It, it's totally meaningless, but with a blast like that, 457 feet, you can imagine, uh, MLB taking notice of that and being like, we might want to get this guy on national TV. We might want to get this guy in front of an audience, right? I believe if I'm reading StatCast right, the max distance so far on the 2022 season for the Guardians would be an Ahmed Rosario home run at 447 feet. So this now would be the furthest home run on the season for the Guardians. Already the kid's second game, and he's already got the longest home run of the season. Uh, Frankly, the longest home run in a Guardians uniform, right? Um, Because they haven't been. They've only been around for a year. Yes, I had to explain the joke. Um, so, yeah. So, Nolan Jones, what a big hit here. Ahmed Rosario, our Andres Jimenez, obviously with a big hit before him. And it's just a fantastic fourth inning that just leaves no doubt in this game. Uh, so, yeah. Like I said, everyone contributed. Even Miles Straw in the nine hole. Three hits on the day for Miles Straw, including a double. Him and Quan go back-to-back doubles uh, in that second inning. That's nice to see. I'm not ready to completely let Straw out of the doghouse yet. You know, in fact, even if he turns himself back into a 250 hitter, even if he gets himself back to a respectable on-base percentage, I still might keep Straw in the nine hole, only because Quan is fantastic in the leadoff spot. It's been working. So that is definitely something. You know, our emailer yesterday asked about moving Rosario from the two hole. One thing I'm not touching is Quan in the leadoff spot. That is absolutely working. In fact, uh, Quan, he's been right. He, he's been getting so many singles to lead off games, and then Ahmed Rosario is immediately hitting into a double play. So what does Stephen Quan do on this game? He ends up legging out a bloop uh, leadoff double this time. You can't hit into a double play. You cannot ground into a double play, Ahmed Rosario, if I get myself to second base. He literally had to get himself to second base to make sure that they stayed out of the double play. And it worked. It's amazing. You don't hit into a double play. And then that first inning actually turns into some runs. You actually set Jose Ramirez up for an RBI situation. His first RBI in a while, in a couple of days. Uh, since June, at least, I believe. Uh, so, yeah. So, Jose Ramirez finally gets himself another RBI. Even though he had so many RBIs at the beginning of the season... That he was still leading all of, leading the American League, I believe, in RBIs going into the day. So he gets three RBIs on the day. I mean, he comes up with three big hits, including a double, including a home run. He also has a hustle double. I mean, we were just out hustling him, out playing him, out hitting him, out pitching him. I, we were just cooking today. Finally, finally, a Guardians reliever goes in and doesn't give up runs. It had been a long time since that's happened. Whew. Okay, you know what? I take it back. I, I lost the uh, Cleveland baseball nightly vibe. I got pretty wound up there, didn't I? That's This offense was that exciting. Uh, it's just a really fun... It was a really fun afternoon to have the game on, wasn't it? There was just action all over the base paths. Guys were flying all around, taking the extra base, getting big extra base hits, right? Just a fun 
fun offensive game. All right, so some of these big hits, it's interesting when you go through some of the matchups here. We're going to stick with the offense for a little bit here. Like Jose Ramirez's first RBI single, he just gets a ton of changeups down and away. They're not back-to-back consecutive pitches. It's a six-pitch at bat. But the second, third, and sixth, the one he eventually hits, the one he eventually hits the center field, they're all in the same location. They're all change-ups down and away. So he sees it multiple times in the at-bat. Everything came from that lower left quadrant of the strike zone or middle of the plate for the Guardians on this day. Uh, for Mio Reyes' is double. He throws him two curveballs in a row. The first one he swings through. The second one comes inside a little bit, and he cranks it 110.7 miles per hour. So two curveballs back-to-back in a row at the same height. I mean, at the thighs. Doesn't even drop one below the strike zone. Puts them both in the strike zone at the thighs, and he pays for it. Heasley, for the Kansas City Royals, did not have himself a very good game. I mean, he doesn't last very long in this thing. He lasts an inning and a third. Gives up six hits, six runs, five earned. uh, No walks, two strikeouts, and a home run allowed on 44 pitches. Kovar, Kovar comes in after him. Doesn't go much better. He lasts two and two-thirds. He gives up seven hits. He gives up five earned runs. So both guys get hit around pretty darn hard. Pretty hard uh, in this one. Uh, some of these other matchups that I found interesting here. Uh, let's jump ahead to the uh, second inning. Uh, Strawn jumping on a first pitch slider. Jumping on a first pitch in the strike zone. Uh, I've seen some things recently, some people tweeting out some stuff, some fan graphs, charts from Miles Straw, and one of his problems is just dealing with pitches in the strike zone or swinging and actually being aggressive with pitches in the strike zone. So here he jumps all over a first pitch slider that's right there, middle of the plate, and he drives it in a left center field for a double. That's good stuff. Steven Kwan then um, ends up getting one. He works a five pitch at bat, but eventually it's a 2-2 count and he gets a fastball right at the letters, right down the pipe, and he hits it for a ground rule double. Oh, that's right. This is the one that gets over the right fielder's head. Uh, For some reason, uh, who is it? Uh, It was Oliveres. It was Oliveres who was in right field. He was playing really shallow for the left-handed hitter and then really looks ugly kind of running back on this ball uh, and ends up going over his head one hopping. This one was funny. And one hops the fence and there's a family sitting right there in the front row. And the kid for the family catches it. He had a glove with him. And it literally, I mean, it pops up right to him. It was like a beautiful little like present right to this kid. And uh, he catches his glove and he almost has this look on his face. And he looks at his dad and he looks down at Oliveres and, you know, the right fielder. And he almost has this look on his face like, am I supposed to give this ball back? Like, this this wasn't a home run. This was a ball that was in play. Am I supposed to give this back to him so that he can continue the play? And the dad kind of was like, no, 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 you hang on to that, son. That's, that's yours now. Uh, you know, it's a split second. Sometimes they cut away on the TV broadcast, and you get this, like, split second of a reaction of some person in the stands, and you don't know what to make of it. And I thought it was really funny that this ground rule double from Stephen Kwan kind of got this reaction from this kid who was definitely not expecting for this baseball to basically fall into his lap or fall into his glove. Uh, So yeah, so middle of the plate, back to back here from Heasley. Uh, This is when things really start to fall apart for him. Uh, Jose Ramirez's home run then. Uh, This was just working a good at bat. 
I mean, Heasley's working him inside and outside. Uh, he ends up, he starts 0-2, but how many times have we seen Jose Ramirez work himself back from an 0-2 count? And he ends up throwing him two sliders. He misses with one inside, throws him another slider, this time on the outside part of the plate, at the same height as the last slider he just missed with. So it is a little bit of seeing the same pitch back-to-back. And he, Jose Ramirez delivers the big home run, 103.7 mile per hour, exit velocity 415 uh, out to center field. Uh, so a big two-run home run from Jose Ramirez. So yeah, I mean, that made it a 6 to nothing game, and at that point it already felt like a rout. So then to go on and have that rally in the fifth inning where Andres Jimenez and Nolan Jones have those big RBI hits, that was just icing on the cake. And then at 11 nothing, I mean, you were pretty much cruising at that point. It was pretty much a done deal at that point. They scratch across a run on the seventh against Brian Shaw. It goes as an unearned run. But then Karinchek has a crazy Karinchek inning, but he's able to actually get out of here without giving up a run. And then Sandlin comes back and pitches a nice ninth inning to get out of it uh, there. We do add two more runs in the ninth inning, but at that point, I mean, things are pretty much out of hand. I mean, Rosario ends up getting a solo home run to kick things off. And then uh, we end up walking in a run. Mainly draws a bases-loaded walk uh, to bring in that last run. So 23 hits. Mandy Bell had it in her article. It had been since August of 2019 since we had put up that many hits. Again, we did it against the Yankees back then. So, yeah, this was a huge, huge offensive day. 23 hits. You don't see those kind of numbers very often from the Guardians' offense. Now, eventually, this game, you know, with so many guys on base... This number is a little bit skewed, but they were 9 for 22 with runners in scoring position. 9 for 22 with runners in scoring position. That is insanity. All right. So I think that's about as much as I can gush about this offense, right? We had some fun with it. We got into some details on kind of why why these guys were able to unload a little bit. Uh, frankly, they some of them, they just worked some really good at-bats, and then some of them were aggressive early in the count. And then some of them just ended up getting pitches right down the middle and actually delivering on them. So that's good stuff on the day. Nolan Jones did strike out once on the day. I, I can't I can't ignore it. I can't ignore it just because it's the first time we've seen him strike out and it was on a high fastball. There are some guys on this team that we know are susceptible to high fastballs. Andres Jimenez, if I'm going to try to strike out Andres Jimenez, I'm definitely going with a high fastball. Uh, for me, Reyes too, sometimes you can get him on a high fastball. It'll just be interesting to see if, uh, Nolan Jones, if that is something that comes back around, right? He's going to strike out. He had like a 20 something percent strikeout rate. I think it was like 24, 25, 26 in a triple A so far this year. So yeah, he's going to strike out. No one's immune to it. Even Steven Kwan strikes out from time to time. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if they keep going back to the high fastball. If they challenge him with high fastballs up at the shoulders, and that's how they start attacking Nolan Jones, right? They're going to start to get a little bit of a book on him, and we'll see how they approach him. But if you're jumping all over first pitch fastballs and hitting him 450 plus feet, then it's not going to matter, right? If you're jumping on that first fastball where they're trying to get strike one, then yeah, that's that's good stuff right there from Nolan Jones. All right, the other side of the game, kind of the other storyline here is, by the way, Tristan McKenzie pitched a pretty pretty good game. It was a weird game. It was a weird game from Tristan McKenzie. He actually gets lucky to get out of this thing giving up no runs. 
Uh, six innings pitched, only gives up three hits. He's only hard hit five times on 88 pitches. At that point, after six innings, there was no point in keeping him in. The game was locked up at that point. So get him out of the game, make it a nice, easy start for him. Gives up no runs, but four strikeouts. To go along with those four strikeouts, five walks. Five walks. Ugh, that hurts a little bit. That That hurts just a little bit. Going over to the Illustrator, it looked like he was having a little bit of trouble keeping the fastball down. There's a lot of fastballs up above the shoulders, and then he was having trouble locating the slider. He was missing. It looked like he was trying to hit that outside edge a couple times and just couldn't hit it. Uh, actually, one of these is a called strike. I got lucky on that one. Um, and some of these other ones they swung at. So I guess he was doing a good job of getting him to expand the zone with that slider. But he just wasn't throwing that slider a lot for strikes. Uh, he was letting it sweep across the zone. Let's see uh, what pitches he was actually getting these balls for, these ball fours on. Uh, so let's go over to the walk. They were all fastballs. Interesting. Every time he walked a guy today, it was on a forcing fastball. Four of them were on pitches that were up and away to his arm side. Uh up to his arm, yeah, up above the strike zone to his arm side, and the other one was down below the knees. Uh, so, yeah, so it was all the fastballs that he was having trouble locating where he was ending up walking people. So what happens? How does this balance out? How does he walk five guys and still get out of this thing? Because the Guardians turn four double plays for him. In fact, the first three innings, he gets double plays in the first Three innings, which is kind of ridiculous. They just kept grounding into double plays. Benatini walks with one out in the first. Bobby Witt Jr. ground into a double play. Melendez walks to lead off the second inning. Boom, Hunter Dozier grounds into a double play. And then uh, Edward Oliveris singles to lead off the third inning. Michael Taylor, boom, double play. I mean, that's insanity. I, I would love to know what the record is for back-to-back-to-back innings where you're recording double plays. Uh, That's just, yeah, you don't see that very often. Where's the last one? I know there's one more. In the sixth inning, a leadoff single by Nicky Lopez. Boom, Isbell hits grounds into a double play. That's just unbelievable stuff, the fact that they were able to do that over and over and over again. Uh, Rosario kicked off two of them. Uh, Jimenez kicked off one of them. Who kicked off the other one? Oh, McKenzie. Uh, did McKenzie turn a double play in there? It looks like he did. Uh, come back or to the mound. So, uh, yeah, that's just that's fun stuff that they're able to get that many double plays. And it's amazing how, I mean, it's a little bit ridiculous. There's a little bit, it, this whole game is exaggerated, but you have good at bats. You get some rallies going. You get some hits with runners in scoring position. You play some good defense. You do some decent pitching. Most of the time, you're going to win the game. And everything was in their favor. Even there was a moment where Quan and Straw almost collide in the outfield. And the ball pops in the air. And Straw still is able to catch it off the ricochet, off the tip drill, right? Like a cornerback in football, he's able to come down with the tip drill play. And he makes the catch. So even things like that were kind of going in the Guardians' favor. So the baseball gods were definitely shining on Cleveland. Uh, They knew Cleveland needed a win. They needed a good game. And we got it. We got it from all aspects. 
MVP on the day, I'm going with Jose Ramirez. I mean, the three RBIs, getting back in that RBI column after that drought was really nice to see. Uh, It probably felt pretty good for the guy. Uh, He needed it. He needed this game. He needed to uncork. He needed to hit a home run. Uh, Yeah, it had been since... It had been since uh, June 25th against the Red Sox, the last time he had an RBI. That's a long drought. And then before that, it was the start of the Colorado Rockies series on June 14th. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, that's a big drought for Jose Ramirez, who's used to putting up a lot of RBIs. Uh, So, yeah, so it had been a while. He really needed it. The multi-extra base hits, you know, the double and the home run, he really was, he, he hit the first RBI hit, the single in the first inning. It really was Jose Ramirez who sparked this offense. And for that, MVP on the day. I mean, Nolan Jones, it was a fantastic home run. Not to take anything away from Nolan Jones. Uh, not to take anything, I mean, all these guys. I mean, it's incredible how many guys on this team had three hit games. Had three hit, four guys on this team had three, no, five guys on this team had three hit games. Five guys on this team had three hit games. That's pretty fantastic. He was a triple away from the cycle. We were all, they were on the TV broadcast. They were talking about it for like two innings, trying to see if Jose Ramirez was going to get up again for a chance at the cycle. He doesn't have hitting the cycle, but still a fantastic game for him. And he's taking home MVP on the day. All right. Sometimes these fun games like this, there's, there's almost not as much nuance to it, right? There wasn't big decisions that Francona had to make or, you know, pressure cooker moments. They just unloaded. They just had fun. And I hope you had fun watching it too. Remember, baseball is a game that's supposed to be taken one day at a time. There's already people on Twitter who are now talking about how do we get Tyler Freeman up here. They, there's, there's, they, they just can't... Enjoy. I know, I know, yeah, we all are a little sick of, you know watching Ernie Clement get at bats, right? It's not going well. Owen Miller is really slumped lately. I get that you want to keep trying to get the best players up here. I understand that. But also, enjoy the moment. Enjoy what Nolan Jones is doing. Let him have his moment. Enjoy the game. That's the point of why we do this. That's the point of why I do this podcast. It's the point of why we watch. Let's enjoy the day. Let's enjoy the moment. Well, the future will take care of itself. It will. I think this was a really good, adding Nolan Jones to this lineup, you can see the difference it makes, how much it lengthens the lineup, right? There isn't a gap in this lineup until you get to the eight-hitter eight, eight Luke Maley, the catcher. And really, with Nolan Jones in there, with Naylor, if Naylor really is back healthy, with Fermil Reyes back healthy, right? That really lengthens the middle of the lineup. You still have Andres Jimenez delivering RBI hits, hits with runners in scoring position in that sixth spot. You now got the new threat of Nolan Jones in the seventh spot. You still have the, you know, the black hole that is the catcher position on this Cleveland team offensively at eight. And then Straw, if he can figure it out at nine, right? That's a lot more length to the lineup than a few days ago when basically this lineup start stopped at five. So, yeah, having Naylor back in there, having Nolan Jones hitting seventh. Remember when guys like, remember back to the 90s, those early 90s teams? 
Now, a completely different situation, but Tomey and Ramirez, those guys started as sixth, seventh hitters, right? And then worked their way up into those spots. Much different situation. We don't have Eddie Murray on this team, but Naylor and Fermil Reyes are pretty powerful hitters. So yeah, this lineup kind of makes sense right now. I We talked about it yesterday. I do see in the future, in the future, Nolan Jones being a two or three hitter on this team. And uh, Ahmed Rosario dropping down still would give you a decent length to this lineup. But the way it's constructed right now, man, I mean, you don't get a break as the starting pitcher. Jimenez 6th and Jones 7th. You really don't get a break until you get to the 8th spot, until you get to the catcher. So I really like the way this lineup looked. I hope it's something similar. Now, Sundays are always weird. Getaway days. He always does something weird like DH's Jose Ramirez, so Clement has to play third base. I have a feeling he's going to do something funky like that because he just does that on Sundays. He, he tries to give guys a day of rest. Uh, and you can't totally blame him because that's his job. His job is to manage guys, you know, energy levels. Not, not energy levels, but you know what I'm talking about. Their stamina throughout the season. It's his job. If you were playing a video game, the video game would tell you, hey, Jose Ramirez has played this many days in a row. Do you think you might want to give him a day off? Like, literally, that's programmed into the video games because that's that's a thing. That's a thing in baseball because it's such a grind. So, yeah, on Sundays, Francona does mess with the lineup a little bit, but I think you could see that this lineup, the Saturday lineup, was probably the best that the Guardians can put with this current configuration, right, that they can put on the field. You know, the catchers are interchangeable. They're going to keep changing. You know, the catchers swap every few days. We could just, at this point, neither Maley or Austin Hedges is really hitting, so we can kind of consider them, they're both zeros in that eight spot in the lineup. So this is really the best configuration that we can put forward at this point. Uh, So yes, we'll see what the lineup will be. The pitching matchup is going to be interesting. It's still a righty in there, so I expect the lefties to still be in there. Uh, I really hope he doesn't give Nolan Jones a day off because, oh, he's a rookie, and yeah, yeah, we're going to give him a day off, not to push him too hard. No, push him. Push him. This kid's having a great series. His whole family's here. The vibes in that stadium are all in his favor. Nolan Jones better be in this lineup uh, against Granke, and he's going up against Plesak, so... This is going to be an interesting matchup. They were making jokes like crazy on the TV broadcast because Plesak gets no run support, and they go off for 13 runs the day before. Hopefully, hopefully that changes. Hopefully, Plesak gets a little bit of run support in this one, and we can win the series. We have a chance to go win this series, which I think will make us all feel a little bit better. All right, that's all my thoughts on this one. Thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Nightly the final from Kauffman Stadium. It's your Guardians 13, your Royals 1. Man, that feels good to say. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. If you've got thoughts about Nolan Jones' debut, I want to hear it, morning people. Let me know your thoughts on the game, and we'll discuss them on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor, so if you go to anchor.fm forward slash Cleveland Baseball Mornings, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play it back on the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Nightly.